This week on An Hour With Flower, I'm joined by a two-time national champion, a guy who finished fourth at the Under-21 Europeans, fifth at the Under-21 Worlds, and most recently, 24th at the Senior European Championships in Gdansk. I'm of course talking about Sam Whaley. Sam, how are you? Yeah, good thanks. How are you doing, Ben? Yeah, so we've recently just done the qualifier. This is a Sunday after the qualifier. Sam finished second, just missing out on Lorenzo, who won the qualifier. Sam, how was the qualifier for you? Yeah, pretty pretty good. Solid performance. Obviously, pretty tricky wins here in Weymouth, as always. But um, it was great to get some racing here back in the UK um, before heading down and uh, bedding down for the winter, really. Now, of course, it was quite... Difficult couple of days. The first day was sort of flat hiking for a lot of people. Max powered up. Second day very light, quite tricky, pressure driven. What was the big things that led to your success at the weekend? Uh, just sort of getting. I had some really nice clean starts, and then uh, I was just sailed fast on the on the right shift. Really, I was sort of making sure I was dialed in with the compass and keeping my head out of the boat at the same time. So making sure you're on the right shift in the right amount of pressure, then you're uh, bound to do well. Really. Now, we'll get on to the senior Europeans later on, but first of all, Sam's just going to introduce himself, how he started off. He started off sailing in a laser Pico back in the day, so we're going to hear a bit about that and um, about his sailing in Swanage training, and uh, we'll get to where he is today. So, Sam, can you just briefly summarise the early part of your sailing life? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I kind of, I didn't really do the whole sort of oppies, toppers kind of thing. I, I actually started, was just down in Swanage. We moved there when I was sort of... 10 or 11 uh, from London, so we used to live quite landlocked and not really, didn't sail at all really. Um, moved down to Swanage and kind of got into sailing a bit um, down in, in Swanage in the Pico with my brother Ben, but at first kind of didn't really enjoy it. It was kind of, it was one of those things which I do, but um, I wasn't really a fan. And it was only when I sort of turned 13-ish that I kind of fell in love with this, uh, the sport, mainly racing really. Uh, my dad bought a new sail for the Pico and suddenly Ben uh, got quite good at it and was starting to beat me. So I was like, right, I'm not having any of this. Older brother, can't let the younger brother beat me. So um, so decided to start sort of sailing and, and trying to just and train at our local club, Swanage. And didn't really go outside, well, never went outside our club um, until, uh, yeah, midway through 2010, I guess it was. So that's been 10 years ago now I've been doing this. It's um, a long time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so actually, first event I ever came to outside of Swanage was uh, this race on Brown Sea Island. So it was like in, in Picos and stuff, and double-handed. It was like an on-board regatta. Um, really not, good fun. Not too far from you, Pool Harbour. Yeah, so we literally just ripped around from Swanage all the way to Brown Sea Island, camped there overnight. It was, it was brilliant fun. And uh, from that point onwards, I was like, right, I really love the racing and love, love sailing. So I um, was lucky enough to have some training in Swanage run by a guy called Doug Horner. Uh, and he basically did it. And he said, right, Sam, you can't do the winter training in a Pico. I refuse to teach you when you're in a Pico. You have to buy something else that's a bit better. And rather reluctantly, I was like, right, OK, I'll buy a laser then, because that's what the other kids were sailing at the time. So... Bought a laser 4.7 at that point and uh, then started these winter trainings and kind of, uh, sort of did that in Swanage, did a few open meetings here and there. Um, and, like It was incredible. I remember the, the talent outside. As soon as you left the club, it was like, wow, we're up against some really good people and it was just um, really difficult. And then my first big ever event was the 4.7 Nationals in 2011. 
Um, and I remember going to that and it was just, I, I could hike. My only thing I really had going for me back then was I knew how to hike in windy weather and I enjoyed that sort of windy weather aspect of things. Light winds, I was hopeless. It was, oh, it was a, a difficult time, but um, did those and came 22nd, I think, out of 79. So that was kind of the first time I was ever like, yeah, I really enjoy this sailing. I like going to these national events. Let's try and do more of it. And Good result for your first event. Really, yeah, yeah. Well, looking back at it now, I'm like, geez, yeah, that was a, it was pretty good considering everything I, I hadn't done, really. Mm. Um, and back at that time, and really for quite a few years after that, I always felt like I was behind the curve. Everyone else who I was sailing against, all my friends and stuff who had made in this, the, the, the event level, they were all had been in squads for, for years at that point, had all learned all these techniques and proper ways to do things. And I felt like I was, I literally joined sailing class last week and was trying to catch up the entire time. So it was, it was uh, tricky, but um, worked out all right in the end and uh, was pretty, pretty worthwhile. So mm-hmm. you, you briefly mentioned about your brother, Ben, currently yeah. 470 sailing and he, being a few years younger than you, he sort of came through the sort of the youth squad ranks a bit had that opportunity I think a bit down to you where you paved the way being the older brother and of <laughs> yeah. course like you said that brotherly sibling rivalry mm. you never want you know somebody in your own family to be better than you and I think yeah just elaborate on that really so yeah well it was it was really great we kind of basically we both fell in love and started sailing and, and doing it seriously at the same time and it was brilliant because we did club races in Swanage and some of the most intense races I've ever done have actually been in Swanage, me versus Ben, just the, the, we push each other so hard because we, we want to win and, and there'd be the, the big moments where like you get a lucky wind shift come screaming in from like a, a corner and, and Ben wouldn't speak to me for like two days because of that and he would always say I was so, so jammy and everything but um it was we really developed and grew together and so I then went into radio and in a standard and basically we as we were growing and learning together uh, I we both basically trained together so he got really good as well so he at a younger level he was more successful than I was um, mainly because we started at the same time sailing seriously but he was two years younger so he got into the squads he he won the youth nationals and stuff like that something that I've never done um, and so it was really, it was really great to, to sail alongside him and, and to see him at all these events and everything. Um, it's just unfortunate for him. He was just, wasn't quite big enough for the standard, laser standard. So he's had to seek other avenues basically to continue his sailing. Um, I think it, it just shows, I mean, your parents must be, you know, pretty pleased the fact they've got two <clears throat> top sailors in the country in in the same house it's uh yeah you know, there's yeah. not many people in there's the Weverells of course but there's not many other yeah. sort of families like that in sailing is there yeah well I think every all the club members at Swanage hate it when we come back and sail together at Cobb Race <laughs> because well, yeah well when it's a Whaley 1-2 every week <laughs> I'm sure they, they want to you know have that opportunity to win yeah. so moving forward so you had that 22nd at the 4.7 Nationals then went into a radial? Yeah, yeah. So I basically, the next stage was I got my first ever squad, uh, 4.7 National squad when I was 15. That was my first ever squad, never been in a zone squad or anything like that before. And I got in and I was really ecstatic and happy. I'd finally made it. I think I qualified like 12th out of 14 uh, um, people that we had in the squad. And then I got in and I remember the coach, Marcus Lynch at the time, 
I go and went to the first event and he went right Sam you have to move out of 4.7 right now and I'm like what but I've only just got here like I love the 4.7 I was I was 65 kilos so I was a bit heavy for it and I was like almost six foot so I was a bit tall as well <laughs> Definitely. And I was I don't was, see many 4.7 sailors <laughs> at a six foot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, um, uh, but I love the 4.7. Like even now, I've got a soft spot for it. My favourite laser rig by far. Um, and I had a really soft spot for it. And he said, move out. You need to go and do these events in the autumn to quite qualify for the transitional squad, which was like a bit between radial use squad and uh, 4.7s and. So I was like, oh god, okay. And uh, so I moved in a radial. Um, at the end of 2012, September 2012, um, and that was when I was, yeah, 16, I think, or 15, something like that, and, and basically then I uh, went to the qualifiers, I remember absolutely hated it, the radio is completely different sales, very deep, powerful, if you come from like a topper or something, I think it's quite applicable, because it's very hard to, it was, a, it was a very big change for me, going from a nice controllable 4.7, all the way, to a radial, which was massively powerful. And as a 15-year-old, I was a bit overwhelmed, really. Um, but I still persevered, gone transition squad that winter, and then so did my thing um, and kept on following the process, training hard. And I, I wasn't necessarily going out for hours every week, specifically on boat handling, but I made sure that I did every single opportunity I had to train with others, use, uh, like train with the uh, other top guys, all the transition training we had, all the club racing, I used to sell every single club race I possibly could and just got uh, better through doing that and your boat handling and your awareness gets sharper and then obviously having Ben there to push us both along, I think here at this stage was just about moving into a laser 4.7 so it was great to be able to start doing handicap club racing against him um, and so all this uh, stuff really helps progress me, progress me along and uh, I always, I always had this attitude that, uh, well, I never, I never give up or even the thought never even crosses my mind when I'm racing. So that really helped in those times when it was all kind of going wrong or you, you were like, oh God, this is really difficult. Um, so the following year, 2013, uh, I didn't make youth squad, um, which was annoying in the, in the autumn. And I was, I was a bit upset because some of my friends in transition squad had made youth squad and everything. Um, and I was the odd one out. I didn't make it. And I was pretty gutted. And I went to the Inlands, which was like the last event of the season. And I was like, right, I'm going to show them what they're missing. And it was really, it was ridiculously windy. Like the most windy event I've ever done. I came like fifth or something, which was incredible at the time. I'd never done anything in the top 10. And at that stage, I was like, right, well, okay, I'm going to send an email to the OA and I'm going to ask them if they would reconsider their decision for youth squad. So I send an email to them saying, look, I'm really, I messed up all the autumn qualifiers. Please reconsider me. And I get an email about two days later going, congratulations, based on your recent performance, you know, the, the classic squad, yeah. uh, uh, you've been accepted email. And I was over the moon because I was like, yes, I, I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go. And it's nice that they believe in me, like, looking back now there were so many opportunities where I just scraped in and those years I really attribute to me just scraping into the squad system like I I I don't I think I had the, the, the determination and the mindset to do it but I never quite had the skills to back up and up so it's really interesting sort of going through that period of just about qualifying I got a new squad that winter um 
managed to train with some great guys with Anthony, with Jamie Calder, I think he was there. Yeah, he was. Uh, Matt Whitfield. There were loads of people there who who um, I we sort of did the winter with, um, and it was really really useful. And then come 2014, I was like, oh, I'm actually starting to get a bit big for the radio here. I was about 70 kilos, maybe a bit more uh, if I was slightly heavy. So kind of did the did the youth nationals that year. I think I finished, oh, was it 7th or was it 12th? I can't even remember, but it wasn't a great result. It wasn't a terrible result. I didn't bomb. I didn't do amazing. Um, I think I came 12th in the end. And uh, that was that was okay. That was about, I guess, where you would expect me to have come in youth nationals. Then I went to radio uh, youth Europeans and worlds and stuff like that. And I think I came silver flea in both. And that was pretty painful because I was like, oh god, it's really really difficult. As you know, you go to these events yeah. internationally, and they're just such a completely different style of racing. Especially to... the first time you go. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a such an eye opener that you go and then you. There's so many people that are better than you. And yeah, like, I thought I was alright. It's just baffling. Yeah, like, yeah. You think you're alright in the UK, and then you go to these events, and it, you're really like, wow. It almost feels impossible the racing, but, um, but from that point, I was like, right, okay. I I really suffered, and I wasn't very good at light winds back in the, that day. I was mainly a windy weather guy, and with these reasonably light light radio events. Right, like, if you're racing with people like Anthony Park and Jack Aitken, <laughs> yes, yeah, they've they've always been light. So. Yeah. Exactly, and they were the they were the highlights of the that, those radio Europeans and worlds. Really, they those um those guys uh, did really well at the. I think I I can't remember what they got, but they were like top twenty, if not higher. And I was <laughs> all the way down then, about eightieth or ninetieth. So after that, I was like, right, I'm going to move into a standard. I'm going to go a year earlier. So this was a year earlier than everyone else was going. So this is when I was seventeen. So your first event was uh, Largs Nationals uh, in the standard. Back in 2014, I think. Yes, I yes, it was. Yeah, and you yeah, were battling with Jack Aitken yeah. for the national championship at the time. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that was that was my first big event. I remember going to the event, and you had uh, Jack Aitken, Anthony Park, Ross Mackley. Um, you had loads of people as the Goodwin, and they were all like, "Right, who's going to win? Who's going to battle for the win?" And I was never really considered as part of the the group like which could win. Um, but I was like, right, I know I'm good at hiking. And I thought, right, I think my strengths are probably going to suit this rig more than the radio did, especially mm. at that time. It was the old Mark, Mark One sail, yeah. which was cross cut like the four point seven was. So I knew that actually my style of sailing probably would suit that more than a radial would. So I was like, I was secretly hopeful. And then we came to the event, and I had a pretty cracking few days, uh, first few days. Regatta. I think I was um, I was leading, but Jack Aitken was right behind, and we had a battle going in the last few days. And then on the final day, I was really uh, it was sort of light light winds, quite shifty, and I I just I just messed up quite a few races, and Jack ended up going on to win, which uh, he did really well for that. Alistair Goodwin then came second, and I came third. So obviously, I was disappointed not to win. That that really hurt because it. At the time, well, it, it always it always means a lot to you. But mm. at the time, it was like I was thinking, wow, I could win a nationals. I've gone from here, like almost nothing in two years, to potentially winning loads of nationals, which is yeah. a pretty prestigious thing. Uh, so it was a bit upsetting. But um, I came third. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, and I think Ben came fourteenth in the radios. That was his first ever radio event. So it's good for both of you. Really. Yeah. So we started this sort of trend of where we'd just go to the events together. At, at that time, it obviously couldn't drive. So mum and dad were driving us. But then a year later, and I could drive. And then it was it was 
Ben and I on the on the road together, which yeah. is pretty good fun. <laughs> and then just after that, you got a uh, apprenticeship at Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. So so I uh, was at school, and then I was like, right, okay, I, what do I want to do? I was like, well, I applied for uni and everything to the whole process, but I really knew I never, I never inside knew exactly what I wanted to do, and I knew I didn't want to go to uni and spend all that money and not entirely be committed. And plus, at the time, I was. I was more of the guy who was like, oh, I'm not really a fan of going out every night. I'd, I'd <laughs> rather... party animal. Well, I enjoy a good night out, but I'm, I'm more... I always feel like I'm missing out on valuable time. Like, there are other better things I could be doing, which is probably a really party-pooper like, <laughs> mindset. But I'm always... I always like to be ultra-productive and, and, and get somewhere with my days. Um, and like, that's, I was like, right, I'm not sure uni is really the right thing at the time. Um, actually, now I've reconsidered. I probably would like to go to uni, mainly for the social aspect and the the lifelong friends you and the life skills you develop. But actually, that's a different story. So, I'd, I'd say I'm in a similar boat. I'd, yeah. You know the fact that now I'm sort of like the same as you. I would like yeah. to go, but yeah. I'd do it in a few more years. I wait a few more years. Yeah. So going back to when it, uh, that's a 2014 end of 2014. And I was lucky that that was my sort of breakthrough. Yeah, the first breakthrough year, I'd say, because I, I qualified for standard youth squad reasonably easily, I'd say. It wasn't easy, but it was the More first... More comfortably than yeah, previous years where you had to fight email the RYA and <laughs> try and get your spot. Yeah, exactly. So this one was like, I qualified first time and there was no issues there. And it was like, right, okay, I'm in the squad. This is brilliant. And we had some brilliant people there. We're training with uh, uh, Henry Weatherall and Mickey Beckett as well. They were in the... They were the top end of the youth squad, but they were already on the British Stadium team, so they were really good. It was really interesting to to train and, and race, do us racing over the winter with them. So, got on standard youth squad in uh, winter of 2014, and then did all that training, and then going into the 2015, so that was my final year of A-levels, so I'd done uh, GCCs, then my two years of A-levels, and I was like, right, that was when I then got my Microsoft apprenticeship in the summer of 2015. And I was like, right, okay, cool, brilliant. And uh, I've always been a real big sort of techie. And, and in fact, I, I used to like, run my own websites about things like Club Penguin when I was 10 <laughs> and stuff. I remember so, the Club Penguin days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually loved Club Penguin. So I used, to, I used to be like, honestly, I was like completely obsessed with technology, coding websites. And I was only about 10 or 11, it was ridiculous. But... Um, so I, when the opportunity came to go to Microsoft, I was like, wow, there was only nine of us selected over a thousand applications. Nine of us were selected out of the entire of Microsoft, which was pretty cool. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to go there. So did the summer of 2015 and on my first year of standards, did the under 21s. And I think I finished like 42nd at the Worlds and Europeans or something like that, which actually under 19, I was like eighth under 19. And that was a reasonably solid result. I got a gold fleet for both of them, which was pretty, pretty cool to see, really. That was my first ever gold fleet at an um, international event, actually. My first ever one, and I was at the under-21s in a standard, so I was pretty happy with that. And then, so I did that summer, completed it, and I was like, right, I'm going to go to Microsoft now and have a normal job for a bit. So I moved up to Reading and started working in September at Microsoft whilst trying to do U-Score stuff at the weekend as well. And, I mean, Microsoft was incredible. It was, like, a really, really cool organisation to work for. It's, it's absolutely massive, as I'm sure you can imagine. And 
we had really cool things like Xboxes. There was like an entire room to, like full of Xboxes, which you could go and play whenever you wanted. But we only went at lunch. I spent far too much time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a, it was just table football. It was literally a Minecraft room. There were there were like forty Xbox Ones lined up with flat screen TVs, and you could sit down and play multiplayer against anyone you wanted. Well, you just said about the table football. That's how you got so good at table football. Yeah. So every every break we would also go. Actually, table football was. Uh, bigger uh, attraction than the, the xboxes in the end uh we had some really good inter inter team uh, battles and uh the, all the other guys on the course with me where we were we were uh we were just going playing our breaks and it was really really good fun so that's how i become reasonably good at, at table football um we've, we've had our fair few uh little battles yes. across the world against yeah other teams haven't we well, yeah well, especially <laughs> when we go to Medinblit for Delta yeah. Lloyd Regatta that's always brilliant isn't it because they have that table football yeah thing. I remember you've been frustrated with me because I'm not as fast <laughs> as you not hands not as fast so. <laughs> yeah my reaction sometimes are pretty quick so I like it and I, I think sometimes I actually I get probably one of my biggest downfalls is I'm a very independent person and I like doing everything by myself or because they, I'm almost I know I can do it in so so quick in X amount of time that if anyone else doesn't understand it quite as much or can't do it in that same time frame, I'm just all right. I'll just do it myself, which probably is actually my downfall. I need to learn to trust people more. Yeah. Um, but in table football, it's like literally, <laughs> if you're up front and you see the ball down your end and you're with your goal and they're not clearing <laughs> it, it's just uh, crazy. Yeah. You can. Uh, and 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 so I yeah I I'm I'm pretty I I like to think I'm pretty good at table football um and that sort of stuff, but um yeah so so going back to the original story, uh was at Microsoft and doing used to stuff, but the biggest problem I found was Microsoft was great and it was really hard but my sailing was massive or it meant a lot to me in used squad but. I kind and of been compromised. Yeah, I, I basically felt like Reading is quite a long way from the sea, <laughs> and there's not really many particularly big, good reservoirs nearby. I suppose there's Burfield and some Queen Mary as well. Yeah, and I think I was just at eight. I was eighteen at the time, or I just turned eighteen, and I basically got to a stage where I was like, I'm, I'm not doing either one particularly as good as I want, and I really want to, like, I don't want to do Microsoft badly. I don't want to do sailing badly at all. And it got to a stage in uh, uh, spring of uh, 2016 where I was like, I, like, I, I, was like I, I really feel like I probably need to do one or the other. And it was really hard to, to immensely come to terms with that. Like I spent so many years dreaming of working in a massive company like Microsoft and I finally got there. I had all these things which as an 18 year old uh, you'd be incredibly lucky to have. I had, I had a a car, I had a flat, I had a sort of new life, I had my friends in Weymouth, I'd, and you, you kind of, you're earning money, and <laughs> that's pretty big for yeah. someone just out of school, and, and I was like, oh, damn, I might have to, might have to give this all up, you know, yeah. like to, because I want to sail, and it, kind of at that point, it was getting more and more serious, and I was like, I, I cared for it pretty deeply, and I was like, I might have to give this up, and so I had to speak to my parents and say, I think I'm going to, Think I'm going to quit Microsoft here actually, and I think I'm going to go full time sailing. And no guarantee it was going to succeed, but I was like, but I've basically I realised I had one year to get into the British sailing team, and that's that one year was going to be critical because if I didn't get in the British sailing team, then I wouldn't get the support and coaching that I needed to then 
medal at the under 21 worlds a few and europeans a few years later and i was like if i don't do that then i'm going to be out of the program for i, I it would be really quite difficult to get in it's not impossible um you basically have to come i think around top 40 of the europeans and senior europeans but i thought i really want to get in the program now and then i can progress it along uh, with uh, all the support i can get so i was like yeah i'm really sorry mum and dad i'm I think I'm going to stop. And that was pretty tough, especially trying to come up with a plan of how I was going to survive, how I was going to do all this stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was, I think, May 2016. I then uh, went full-time sailing officially, just as a youth squad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, right, okay, under 21s this year. Moved back home to Swanage. Um, and then I was like, right, let's, let's try and smash these under 21s. So 2016, under 21s, the Worlds were in Kiel and uh, they didn't go quite as I would have liked. I think it came like 31st, which was quite disappointing really. I was hoping for more, uh, but they were a very, very tricky event. And then uh, Europeans was the kind of the second big breakthrough of my career and I got eighth overall, which was kind of, that was really cool. And at that point I was like, brilliant. So I've now I've qualified for British Sailing Team, the P3 squad, which they formed. And then, yeah, that was, I was in the squad and then moved down here to Weymouth to, uh, to start my sort of life as a full-time sailor I guess you'd call it. So. so just going back to 2016, just before you went full-time was the Youth Nationals in Athelie. Yeah. Yeah. And going into the event, I remember reading the, the sort of write-up before the event of the, um, the pre-race favourites. And at the time, you weren't considered one of them. It was Anthony Park, Harry Blowers and Jack Cookson and... Yeah. Come, you know, the early part of the week, you were winning and um by a nice little margin. Yeah, yeah. It was uh it was one of those events really where I I don't know what I think just because in my younger age I, I had no I didn't achieve anything really. I think I wasn't naturally the one you would put your money on to, to do well and and I never I never felt pressured to perform because of that. I just thought, right, I'll go out there and, and sell my best and see what happens, really. Um, and I think um, because of that, I yeah went to those 2016 youths, um, basically just about to go uh, full-time sailing, and I was like, right, I'm going to show them all. And I, I, it was just, I sailed pretty well the first few days um, and had a nice lead. And then basically by the end of the week, it became between me and Anthony, which was quite exciting. Um, and I'd obviously never won the youth nationals. I'd never even come close. Um, and I don't think I'd ever come in the top 10 before that. So it was kind of like, right, okay, I think I can do this. And then on the penultimate day, I had a few issues. And the, wind, the windy day. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what happened that windy day. Actually, windy day was usually my strength, but this particular day, it just didn't come together. It was role reversals with you and Anthony. Yeah, yeah. So that day, it was, you know, you were known as the hiking machine, and yeah. Anthony was known as the light wind guy, and yeah. Anthony won the day, and you, yeah. you made a few mistakes. Yeah, and it was one of those times where you're like, ah, oh, well, that didn't work. It's, it was quite painful at the time, really, because it was like, okay, well, now Anthony's leading going into the last day, and who knows what's going to happen. And so going into the last day, I was like, right, well, I'm just going out and sail, sail my best. And the first race, uh, it was, I think I was in like fifth and Anthony was in third. And it was like, basically Anthony would win at that point. And then he death rolled on the final downwind going to the finish. And I was like, I had a little sort of celebration dance in my boat. And because I finished that, it basically went to the last race. And so going into the last race, I had to win and Anthony had to come um, outside the top four. Outside top four. Yeah. 
And so I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is cool. So, uh, well, at the win with Mark, yeah. you, you were leading. Anthony yeah. was down in the pan. He was yeah. outside yeah. the top 15. Well, the funny thing was, was before the start of that last race, Anthony comes up and tries match racing me. And I, was, I, I wasn't really expecting it, to be fair. I thought we were uh, being noble gentlemen of our time <laughs> and just going to politely duel it out on the race course with a speed contest. But he obviously <laughs> thought otherwise and tried to come over for a match race. And I think that's, that's Anthony all over. You, you know, yeah. you might not be the quickest guy all the time, but yeah, you'll make sure that he's on his tactics. He was and very smart about it. And make sure uh, he plays with his strengths. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that his strength was to do something like that. So looking back at it now, it was obvious. And it, we were involved in this massive battle. And then I luckily, I think I managed to get a boat between. I think Simon Weatherspoon was sat stationary on the line. So I sailed up to Simon. And whilst Anthony was trying to prevent me from tacking, I forced him to go on one side of Simon. And I jived around quickly. Reached all the way down to the um, pin end and started the race and uh, perfectly on time. And then I ended up <laughs> leading at the window of Mark and Anthony was down like 10th or something. And so at this oh, point, that. yeah, oh, at, that. at this point, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I, I could, it's on here. But I was like, well, all I can do now is just win this race and see what happens behind. Which you did. And then, <laughs> yeah, so I was leading and then coming up to the final downwind, I was in first and Anthony had managed to pull up to fifth. And he rounds this window mark behind... Uh, Joe Mullen. Yes. Just behind Joe Mullen. And I was like, oh God, please Joe, please just have the best downwind of your life, please. And just help me out here and stay in front and I'll win the Youth Nationals. And so I went down the run and I won the race. I did all I possibly could. And then I watched in dismay as Anthony managed to pass Joe. And with that... Uh, Anthony then I think finished fourth in that race or something like that and won the Youth Nationals so I think it was only a single point or something ridiculous but but that was really your breakthrough event yeah. at that point and to be battling for the title up until the last literally the last damn win yeah. was um, you know Formula 1 terms that's uh, <laughs> Timo Glock coming you know <laughs> letting Lewis Hamilton through so yeah yeah it was uh, right to the last moment which... yeah I was was it Massa who was going to win that year yeah. yeah so I was Massa you and Massa won the race finished <laughs> all Massa. celebrating and then you know <laughs> heart gets past Timo Glock yeah so so in F one, yeah. So so that was that was a bit disappointing. Obviously, I I wish I could have won won those that year, but at the same time I got a silver medal and that was my first ever medal of anything uh, of importance. So that was pretty uh, pretty cool and it was it was a great moment actually to to do that. Uh, so so yeah, I I did that. Um, then got on the British Sailing team later that summer and then started life as a full time sailor here. So that went went pretty well. Yeah. Because I remember the, you, at that point, when the Under-21 Worlds mm. was really my first big event. Yeah. I'd done Kiel Week, but I was done one day and then injured my arm. And then uh, <laughs> Under-21 Worlds, and in a way, you were sort of there as a bit of a mentor in a way. Because you, you had only just done your first sort of mm. big events internationally a few years prior. And the mistakes I was making, you were sort of telling me where to not go so wrong so you went from that like you said that unknown at yeah. silver fleet so to then quite a i think inspiration in most of the fleet yeah. so in quite a short space of time so I, do, I think it does show that if you put in the work and put in yeah. the effort and make the sacrifices like you did because to sacrifice microsoft a steady you know income yeah. and steady lifestyle to then go 
well, this isn't an unknown, but I've got to put the work in. Yeah. Shows that you can make it. Yeah, exactly. And I've in. never been the, the natural choice or the one, the particularly uh, talented. I don't really believe in talent, really. I think I, I, I think you, you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Anyone can. Uh, even if you're, you're not the greatest at it now, you just have to put the, the time in and, and not get fed up with the process and just follow it and, and trust it'll work eventually. Um, and that was... That was basically what I did because you've kind of done a similar journey, just like me. You, you weren't you. We we never really did anything at the younger level, but we you as well. You put in a lot of effort, and we, we, you see the results starting to come. You just have to wait for the time and the process to to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think as well, it's a, the big thing is every disappoint every time you get that email from your RAA saying sorry your recent results haven't meant you're in the youth squad you can sort of use that as right or make sure that doesn't come again yeah yeah exactly so it's really uh, it, all these all these experiences mean something I, I'm I and I'm a believer that it all happens for a reason and if you don't get something that you want it's not the end of the world there's always another way it will happen if you really want it to happen and uh, and so yeah I that's my biggest bit of advice that I've got to where I am now because I've tried really, really hard. I'm not saying other people don't try, but I would like to think I, I, I've been very smart and, and put a lot of effort in uh, to everything I do because I don't do anything at 50%. I'm always, I have to do things perfectly. And if I don't, now I just don't want to be part of it. So um, yeah, that's, that's basically my, what I've been trying to do. Um, and yeah, then managed to qualify for the team. So, that was so good. you're on the team. Yeah, you spent the year on the team. The following year, the youth nationals, you podiumed again, coming yeah. third. Cooks in second, Whiteley winning it. Going yeah. to the under twenty one events. Strong squad, probably the strongest squad in the world at the under twenty one level at the time. And um, you boys finished third, fourth, and fifth at the under twenty one worlds. Yeah. Yeah. You and Dan finished third and fourth. You sadly in fourth, just missing out on Dan, which I remember that went down yeah. to the last day as well. Yeah, that was the final race. And as well. um, I think that really showed the just the camaraderie between you three and the fact that the squad was so good. Yeah, and, and you had a good coach in James Gray. Yeah, James Gray was our coach for that winter of twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, uh, and we uh, we had a we had a great. We also were down here in Weymouth and and training. Um, and we, we had a great squad going. We had a lot of good people. Um, and it was just really the consistency of our training was really good. So we entered 2017 season in a really good place. We did the youth nationals and, and quite a few big internationals like Palmer, uh, Medenblick Regatta. And that was really a great warm up for uh, what was what was going, like for basically the under-21s later on in the summer. And it was really great to to then go to the under-21s and we're like, wow, we are fast mm. and we, we also know where to go. And we, we managed to be very, very consistent in our performances across the squad as a whole. And yeah, those under-21 Euros were, it was a, it was a interesting time for me because it was quite painful really because I kind of, I'd gone through 2016, I'd done the, I had a strong start to 2017 at the internationals like Palmer and stuff. And I had a really good sort of build up to the under three ones, and and I, I genuinely believed that this could be my time. I could actually finally get a medal on the world stage, and I was like, "This is." Uh, well, I remember going back to Palmer yeah. again. You, you you made you. I remember you just missed out on Goldfleet, and then you looked at the sailing instruction and said, "Hang on a minute." 
It says yeah. no more than 60 boats in gold. Protest yeah. the race committee. And then got, yeah, yeah. got the um, fleet size up to that 60, which meant that you got into gold fleet. Yeah, they, they basically they put something in their size, which didn't say they would... It basically, the way they worded it was, we will put a no more than 60. But it didn't say, oh, we're going to... The way it worded it was basically, they, they didn't say how many were going to be in gold or silver. They just said, it will be 60, but no more. And because they said that, um, there were a group of us who, I think I was like fifth from, oh, I was actually second from, like, I was basically 58. So then there was a group of us who were like, well, we'll question this. We questioned it with the race committee. And they're like, oh, God, we forgot to put in the gold-silver split thing. And they're like, oh, well, the fairest thing to do here, really, is to uh, increase gold until 60 boats. So I got in gold at that event. And then it was all... It was my first sort of big international of that year, and uh, kind of well, Palmer was really difficult event. Mm. Um, but then at the uh, <laughs> I had the, uh, the most incredible final day of sailing. Um, like I don't, I'd, I'd known I was capable of it. It was just trying to get everything like strung together to make sure everything happens. You know, you're a good start. You're on the right shift. You're sailing in the right pressure and stuff. And I think I got I basically got tenth and eleventh in gold fleet on the final day, which was one of the best days in the fleet. I think on that day, I think it was like third best. And I'm sure up to that. I think I was thirty ninth or something like that. And so it was pretty. Uh, I remember yeah. when you came back because we were staying together in Palm. I remember you coming back. You were absolutely um, buzzing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> was it's buzzing. Rupert, yeah, it was kind of one of those where it even got comment from we, Chris Gowers. And we yeah. cycled up Randa later, didn't we? I yeah, think, so. yeah, we, yeah, we, we had. Yeah, yeah there was. Uh, there was a good, good times though. Yeah. So going into the under twenty ones later that summer, I was kind of, I was kind of, I was like, I really hope I'm on for. I feel like this is my time and. Looking back at it now, I wasn't as complete. I still was catching up with other people. Like, although I was sailing very well, I still was missing some key fundamental skills, um, which would, which meant that, like, I came fourth at the end of the day, and ultimately I lost a medal on the final race of the final day at the Europe, under twenty one Europeans because I capsized. I capsized on the downwind, and. Uh, because of that, Dan overtook me and went on to win a, the bronze medal instead of me, and and that was that was probably actually I'd say one of the most painful moments of my life. Actually, like lost a medal because your own mistake, capsizing mm. is just. I remember how upset you were. Yeah, you were. and and I kind of and then we went straight from the under twenty one Europeans to the worlds. Um, the like uh, the next week in Newport in Belgium, and I was. I never, I still hadn't got over the Europeans. It really hurt inside. And to be fair, it hurt inside for a long time. Like, mm. I ended up um, coming fifth at the under 21 Worlds that next week, which, to be honest, I think was a miracle because mm. I, was, I was still quite mentally uh, upset from, from having losing a medal at the under 21 uh, Europe, uh, Europeans. And, and so, to be fair, I look back in now and I think that's one of my proudest moments in my life to get fourth and fifth under 21 Euros and Worlds is incredible. Yeah. And, and those trophies that I have now, I'll probably, yeah, I'll never, I'll, I'll keep them forever. Because I look at that now and I'm like, wow, we did really well. And as a squad, I'm really happy that we did so well. I'd say almost almost dominated the suit. We had some really good people like Joel Rodriguez and Jonathan Vad and I were sailing against, but we were mixing up with them. And to do that was brilliant. It was a clear, yeah. you know, cut of who was the top guys at that yeah. point. But I do feel that at the end of 21 Euros, I remember 
my arm again was packing up, yeah. it was falling off, it was hanging on by a limb. And um, I remember that real breezy race where it was a brick one, two, three, four. I was in fourth, going into the last jive mark, jived, mainly got wrapped around the back, yeah. capsized, leaked a few positions and just missed out on that gold-silver split. And I knew from that point mm. with my arm how it was, I was just going to fall back further. Mm. I remember how upset I was, but you picked me up and uh, got me back going and the next day I think I won the day so I, was, yeah. I think that really shows that not only are you focused on your sailing you say that you know you like to just be on your own and focus on yourself but when others are around you that are, need a little bit of a pickup, you are have been there several times not just for me but other people and I think that really does show throughout your whole yeah. whole career really oh thanks mate <laughs> <laughs> but, well I remember then yeah. at the end of 21 Worlds when yeah. I had I had a nightmare, well not, you weren't staying with me, but I had a nightmare of accommodation wise, <laughs> yes. and, and again, you, you, you know, you helped me out and yeah. sorted me a tent for the rest of the week, so, yeah. which God, wasn't, which wasn't ideal, but, you know, without yeah. you, I'd have been, I think I was debating whether to sleep in the team van, so. yeah. God, that was, I can't believe you stayed that week in the <laughs> tent as well, it rained was, so much. Yeah, but then moving forward, you were out of under 21s after that point, mm-hmm. moving into sort of 2018, 19, you've been on that hard journey trying to get onto funding and recently you've got a 24th at the under 20 uh, a senior so europeans mm, yeah in gdansk i yeah. was looking at results and going into the last race oh no way he's messed up but then you banged in the fourth in the last race came through in the clutch and yeah and got a fantastic result so you must be thrilled with that yeah it's it's been a really tricky few years i think it's fair to say so you leave under 21 level and at that stage, you, you basically, the only option you have is to prove yourself on the world senior circuit, which is quite really difficult. Um, and uh, because, of, because of that, it's, um, it, it means that you, you, you have to go from being the best in your age group to suddenly you have to perform at a senior level against guys who've been to the Olympics and who are going to the Olympics and the world's best. And it's, it's such a completely different game, really. Um, like, so... After 2017, that was my final year of under-21s. And then from that point onwards, I was like, right, I've got to qualify in senior level. And so did another uh, winter training uh, in 2017-18. And 2018 starts off looking reasonably good. I had, a, I had a slow start to the year. And then I really started to um, pick up my, uh, my uh, pace and my performance quite a lot. And that year was Aarhus Worlds in 2018, so you had to qualify. And I think GBR, we only had like six or seven spaces. And there were eight of us British Saints team guys. I was like, oh God, what are we going to do? Um, and unfortunately, on the final day of Palma that year, I got black flagged, which meant I finished, um, I, I was like the last of the Brits to qualify. And although I then had a really good Europeans, I think I, I finished 34th at the Europeans uh, in 2018. Um, that wasn't enough for me to qualify for the Aarhus uh, World Championships, the Laser Worlds. And I was gutted at the time. Like, it was literally, I can, I, I literally was, I feel I'm sailing the best I've ever sailed in my entire life. And here I am not able to compete at the Laser World Championships. Um, and so because of that, it was kind of, I basically had to sit out for the, the entire summer and watch as everyone else went to Aarhus, which was frustrating, actually. Um, but again, in, the, in Plymouth, yeah. you turned up and won the Nationals. Yeah, so that was just, uh, that was the, I was still hoping to go to Aarhus at that point, that was just before Aarhus, yeah. and I was like, right, 
come up, I'll show everyone and uh, try and see if there are any last minute spots the our way can send me. Um, well, Dan Whiteley, who, is, who you beat there, um, went to yeah, Aarhus and yeah, so, just pipped you there. But yeah, yeah, it so, showed that you, you can fight, you were still sailing at the best you were. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, was on, I was on fire that summer and I really felt like I deserved to go to Aarhus. And, um, and I was the, the only British Australian team member to be left out because there weren't enough spaces. I think there were seven spaces in the end. And, eight, and I was the eighth guy, unfortunately, in the initial qualification. So I was like, right, well, this, this sucks, but let's just try and improve my sailing and go from here. And so I went to nationals. It was, we had a brilliant week in Plymouth. In fact, it was probably uh, the, the best run and funnest sailing event I think I've ever done. I, I agree. I think that Plymouth was, was the best one yeah. ever. We had beautiful conditions on the water, um, beautiful weather. You remember we were in a yeah, bit of a heat wave? I remember that, yeah. The organisation oh, by UKLA and Tony Woods, we had some great yeah. socials. We had, it, was, it was the funnest event, and, it, and what a better place than Plymouth. Plymouth was really nice as well. Yeah. So, so we had nationals there. Not and too far from Torquay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just remember going the last day, um, it was kind of, it was very, it was very close between Dan and I, um, and I just managed to hold on on the last day to, to claim that, uh, to claim the the, the gold medal, which was uh, pretty cool. So won my first national. I think you won the last race, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I won it by a bit of a way. Yeah, it was it was incredibly light wins. Very stressful for winning your <laughs> for trying to cover the fleet, and uh, it was like hard left shift off the line. So you would naturally think let's head to the right hand side and our heads hard left. Yeah, and I saw you heading hard left, and you came screaming in a more wind, and it was like when in the world does it ever happen? <laughs> but fair enough. Yeah. And luckily, I managed to beat Dan, and and they got my first nationals. So that was a really cool moment. That was another breakthrough moment. And after a difficult year, um, it made me feel good that I kind of at least I, I was improving and I was getting better, and at least I kind of proved that I should I should have should have been going to Aarhus if there had been a place going, which unfortunately wasn't. Which so. is as good as you could have done, really. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, one one thing that people don't know about you is that you do love to do big downwinds from Weymouth to your home in Swanage. Yeah. So I know one time you told me that the uh, military. Yeah. So tried to stop so you. in a, that I started those in twenty eighteen. So I basically, um, whilst I was okay at hiking and sort of going upwind and stuff like that, um, I always been weak at going downwind it had never quite clicked for me at youth level or anything and I was like right I have to sort this out and what better way to sort it out than going downwind for hours and hours and hours with no upwind um so I was like right uh Ben <laughs> you're coming with me we're gonna sail from Weymouth to Swanage and we're gonna just just sail the, the entire way um, and see what happens so uh September 2018 was the first time I did it I was like right the forecast looks good the wind's good the weather's good let's take a radio and phone in my bag and we'll just go out. And so we drove to Weymouth in the morning, uh, mum in the back seat. Uh, ben and I launched from the uh, academy here in Weymouth and then we <laughs> put the trolleys on top of the roof of the car. Mum drove all the way home um, with, uh, with them and then put the, our trolleys on the beach in Swanage, which was <laughs> great. And then so we sailed from here and we sailed just straight downwind uh, in like 10 to 15 knots. And it was it was great fun. Like the, obviously, the, the more time you go downwind, the more natural it feels. And that then it was brilliant. We saw flat water here in Weymouth, and then as we got further down, it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was absolutely huge. And we get to near St Albans Head, 
and there's a military firing range between uh, like Lulworth basically, which is halfway between Weymouth and Swanage. And this massive tugboat comes out and he blows his horn and he comes up to you and you go, oh God, I'm in trouble. And it says like Lulworth firing range and massive letters on the side, big mean looking thing. And they just say, <laughs> they just say over the town away every time I go, put your hands up if you can hear me. And I heard, put your hands up, and I went, oh my God, and put my hands up, <laughs> thinking they were about to fire, and I've done something terribly, terribly wrong here. Um, and then it, 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 so I went like that, and they were like, okay. Uh, and then, so they said, go on channels, like, I think it was, I don't even know what channel it was on the radio, but like, so we, we spoke on the radio, and they said, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm sending to uh, Swanage, and they're like, we're firing today, live rounds, and, and it's very dangerous, you can't go, you have to turn back and go back to Portland. And I said, we've just done two hours downwind in 15 knots. That's going to be like five hours upwind. More like eight hours. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, we can't. We can't go back. We have to go forwards. Um, and we've got to go to Swanage. Everyone's expecting us. And they're like, oh, well, you, you can't really. And they were grumbling a bit. And then they're like, okay, well, okay, here's what you do. Head to these coordinates. They start reading off these coordinates in the uh, radio. I'm like... Mate, I don't have, I can't do coordinates. I'm in a laser. There's no GPS plot, chart plot or anything. I was like, look, point which way you want me to go and how far, and I'll go that way and then I'll be on my way to Swanage. So he was like, you need to go two and a half miles further out to sea. And we we're already like two miles out, like couldn't see anyone. So we had to go like five miles out and then we set off and went uh, straight to St. Albans Head. And it was massive. Like St. Albans Head, basically, it's like, um. Portland Bill, the tide races over it and the sea state gets huge. I've never been in waves bigger than that. And it, was, it wasn't dangerous. I never felt, it was one of those moments though, where you're, you're going down when you're going, God, get me out of this. And you're like, if you, turn, you know, if you turn back, it's worse. It's worse because then you have to go back through what you've just come through. And then you would have to go miles out of the sea to get around it. So I was like, well, I've just got to go through it and, and just brave it out. And uh, yeah. So in the end, we managed to get through that. Uh, everyone alive and safe and well and everything. And then made it to Swanage. Um, I think it took us like four hours or something in total. Um, but it was a brilliant experience. Like that was one of the sort of one of the best memories I have of that year because that feeling that you've you've made it. <laughs> you've done. We did forty five kilometers or something, which doesn't sound much, but I think the tide was good and stuff. In, in a laser, in a laser is pretty cool. Forty five kilometers downwind. And I've done quite a few of those now. I've done probably uh, probably five or six or seven. But the, the, the change has been stark. Like my, my downwind is now one of my strengths. It's, it's, it's weird, actually. You go downwind for four hours like that and you get to a stage where you're so tired you can hardly even open your eyes. Mm. You can hardly move. But then when you next go on a downwind, you just know which angle you need to put the boat in to go fast. You know how the boat responds when you go on a certain angle. And so for me, it's been... That was the real turn around when I was when I've been like okay downwind is now one of my strengths and yeah so it's been really really useful to have that and to be able to do it and it's great fun as well the coastline around here is stunning so I think that's like you said the big thing is when you do a normal day's training Hmm. you spend more time going upwind than downwind because that's the way it goes yeah and um without a coach to tow you upwind yeah you're always going to be in that dilemma so Mm. the sort of point to point I think if more, I've done a few different places and mm. I think if you have the opportunity to do it and have parents yeah. or friends that can take the trolleys around to the other place yeah 
try and you know try and do it yeah I think exactly it really does benefit you downwind yeah like you just got i guess with any point of sailing or any point of any skill in your life you just got to work out what your weaknesses are and how you can then better yourself and and what the most efficient ways of doing that and i think doing these downwinders uh, wherever they may be is very beneficial for your learning to make sure that you you can be as good a sailor as you can because it really has changed my sailing around completely so yeah yeah really useful mm. and um just moving on from that, we've trained a fair bit at uh, Swanage, yeah. and um, there's been a few times where it's got a bit big. I remember this one time where, <laughs> where we're right out, and you're looking up wind, there's this massive black patch, and you're like, Flower, we need to head in now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and immediately I capsized about 10 times, and you were like, Oh, no, oh, yeah. the lawyer going to come. And, yeah, well, I remember was that day. Great day. I oh, it was oh, yeah. massive waves. So, Swanage is quite unique because we have a very flat, calm bay. And then you basically launch at the sailing club and you go around Peveril Point, which is about a minute and a half, two minutes sail. And you go from perfectly flat reservoir calm water to huge waves, loads of tide. And it's, uh, it's like massive ocean going swell. And so you came a few years ago for this day and we, were, we went around the corner from the flat water into the massive waves. And it was great fun. I remember the waves are huge. Like, I remember you wiped out a few times <laughs> yeah. upwind because the waves were just yeah. so big that... The laser was hardly coping, and then, uh, and then we're sort of going up wind down. We're doing a bit of training, and I look up wind, and we're about two miles up wind. I look further up wind, I see this massive. I just see this cloud whipping water up from the sea. It was mad, wasn't it? And it was already about twenty to twenty-five knots, so like on the limit. And I was like, oh my god! And I was like, we need to get in immediately because, yeah. and I had a radio, but I was like, I don't want to. You, you never want to even get to a stage where you even consider getting someone else to yeah. rescue. So I was like, Flower, we have to head in now. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and I just saw you bear away and immediately just death rolled and stacked it. And I was like, no, no. And then you got up and stacked it again. And then I was like, oh, my God. And we ended up getting There some good, good Instagram videos came out of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was a good day. We, we got back all right, didn't we? But yeah. Um, it was uh, it was great. It was quite an oh wow was a moment. Yeah, it was it was one it was one of those. But character building, I like yeah. to call it. Well, you, I, I think well, the, your biggest oh wow was a moment was when we first met. Really, was when yeah in uh, Torquay. It was again wow. a massive amount of wind. Yeah, uh, great venue Torquay is, and um, you lost your whole rudder. Yeah, I, <laughs> I it was Torquay qualifier a few years ago, and it was like forty knots, and we had Ken Falcon as race officer, and Ken basically sails in anything as long as the flagpole stays upright. <laughs> well, a brilliant race off. I remember him saying at the next qualifier at Weymouth, it was like, well, the people when it was 20 knots the first race, some people didn't launch. When it was 30 knots in the second race, people went in. And then when it was 40 knots in the last race, you only had the hardcore left. <laughs> yes. So, and I think that attitude was brilliant because you was... get to learn in racing yeah. in that where you go to the internationals, they'll race you in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and in this particular day, I was just... Well, reasonably unlucky because went for a bearway and <laughs> the biggest gust ever in a standard and um, my whole my rudder my plastic gudgeons on the back holding my rudder tiller and everything completely snapped as I went for the bearway the load was so great and so I immediately death rolled <laughs> managed to cross the finish line somehow without a rudder uh, I had I basically I had the the rudder but it wasn't attached to the boat so it was just under the traveller floating around mm. and then racing was abandoned so we started heading in and uh they got to the uh the marina entrance or the sea wall for torquay 
and it was like right I've got Barry dead downwind now and of course I just knew I was going to be in trouble and so I bore away the whole boat stacked it death rolled I lost my entire rudder and then had to order a new one next week and that's how yeah. I met you wasn't it yeah well yeah. with uh, C2 Marine being yeah. close to me I picked it up for you brought it along and yeah uh, yeah, I, I like their tillers. They're, they've always been my favourite for a few years now. Um, and I'm using one right now. I just think they're, they're so stiff and nice and yeah. uh, generally stable. I've never had one break. Totally so. agree with you there. Yeah. But we're going to quickly finish. But what's, what, what's your plans moving forwards? Winter now, COVID's quite difficult. Yeah. Training, are you planning to go abroad? Are you staying in the UK? Well, that, it's, it's a really good question, actually. And we're not quite sure at the moment. We're basically formulating a plan within the next week because all, all the restrictions are changing all the time and it's really hard to know what, what the best thing is to do. I reckon we will end up somewhere in Southern Europe, I'm not sure where, and we'll probably have to stay there the entire winter um, because this travelling back and forth just isn't, isn't safe or really possible, mm-hmm. I don't think, at this, this particular time. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, the problem with training here, it's a great place in Wales, but it does get quite so cold. cold. And it, it just limits the amount of hours and efficiency of your on-the-water session. It's not the fact that it's just cold. The, the actual wind and yeah, everything, it's, it's either 30 knots or 5 knots. You don't yeah. get anything in between. Yeah, exactly. Most of the time, it's just 30 yeah. knots day after day. So for that reason, we'll probably end up somewhere uh, in, in su- Southern Europe. We generally go to Portugal or somewhere like that, which is very nice and mild, and we get a variety of conditions. But uh, at, this, at this point in time, not quite sure, but I'm just enjoying. It's nice to, it's nice, really nice to, in this difficult year, to have actually got some racing in. Um, obviously, with coronavirus and stuff, everything came crashing down in, in March, wasn't it? And we were all locked up. But Man, just I, before part, we're all going out to Palmer. Yeah, we're all going out. I remember when I saw the message saying Palmer's cancelled, I was like, oh wow, this is crazy. This uh, is, that, that was the moment for me where I was like, this is actually serious. Yeah, like, this is actually big. Everything yeah. up to that point on the news, I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then yeah. when Palmer was cancelled, I was like, it's like okay. oh, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, okay, that was big. And, it, and obviously, spending a few months inside was really interesting. Like, personally, for myself, I think. I think obviously a lot, the whole virus and the whole situation has been, been, been really sad for a lot of people and uh, difficult. But I think for me personally, and it has been, it allowed me to have some time to stop, breathe, think about what I wanted to do, how I was going to do it and how to make bridge that next level. And um, I think it's really, honestly, it's been a, it's changed, it's changed my career by having that, by having that um, lockdown really. i that's the big things is when you face diversity is how you come through it. Yeah, exactly. And and I really feel like I'm a much, much better place now with having done lockdown and come out the other side and rebuild my processes than I was were before. So that's it for this week with an hour of flower. Thanks to Sam. Thanks for coming, Sam. And make sure you do check out the future podcasts. And if you haven't already, go check out the last podcast with Anthony Park. And we'll see you again soon. Thanks Thanks again, Sam. Thanks, guys.